up? We're tuning into the Sounds of Life with Ryan Garrett. And guess what? We have Nikki from The Panic Spot. What is up, Nikki? Hey, what's up, Ryan? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you guys definitely have to go check out her uh, channel. It's The Panic Spot. It should be The Panic Spot with Nikki. I think that would be awesome. But um, just a quick backstory on how, I guess, how we got connected, right? Is is that a good word to use, Nikki? Sure, yeah. Um, I made my last uh, episode was me ranting about uh, lying and I guess how did you how did you come across that, Nikki? I have to ask. <laughs> I was searching um for some people to follow on Anchor and um I just I like pulled up your profile and then I saw that it said that you were live and that you were ranting about lying and I said, well, God, doesn't that go with what I'm doing right now? It was just kinda like serendipitous. It did, it didn't happen on it on any like specific term it was just like boom there you are and then yeah i got your call and and you put your you know <laughs> your two cents in and it was like the greatest thing i've ever heard like in from my <laughs> from my you know my, my point of view and your uh trust issue um segment when i listened to that you know i just you could tell like the the lying and and trust issue just they they intertwined with each other and that's uh that's what we're gonna do tonight is is kind of just in one crazy conversation is just mix those two together to create an awesome conversation uh, about lying and the effects the, the, I guess we could say the different types of liars we're, we're gonna we're gonna use that and and I hate classifying classifying myself as a liar but you know what the first step in progress is admitting your your problem. Right. So I absolutely I am a liar. And so a, a little bit about you, Nikki. Let's like why, what made you create that trust issue segment? OK, well, the trust issue wasn't really <clears throat> about lying, per se, or about like any specific person um, hurting me or lying or doing something incredibly messed up in that sense. But um I lost a boyfriend. It was my first boyfriend. Um, he decided to um, hang himself when we were teenagers, and it was extremely difficult for me to get past that. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that really kind of blew my mind, and I think now that I'm thinking about it, now that it's like you know coming to light, really, is I'm realizing that during the conversation I had with him, because of course I was the last person he called before he decided to take his own life. You know, he was telling me, like, oh, I want to have kids with you. I want to go to college together. Like, I want to do this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really cool. Like, I have, like, this is this is going to be my guy. Like, this is it. Like, I met my guy in, in middle school. Like, this is, this is the, like, real thing. Because it started in middle school. I was 13 when I met him. And then he hung himself when we were 15. So you started having and, these, these future... Um, <clears throat> Uh, you started you started putting together your future with this person so so yeah i could tell it, i could tell you know it really affected you and and which i which now makes sense to me because i could see how that would cause cause to cause for you to have you know trust issues because you were ready to like that was it like you just said like that was your man like you you were ready to start yeah. the rest of your life 
Absolutely. I don't think like a lot of men don't like, you don't realize that words can really do a lot of damage. And like he damaged me and you know, it is, it is our choice what we choose to carry with us in life. I do believe that, but I also do believe that, you know, we don't have a lot of options when kids, I live with mental health disorders, you know, panic disorder and bipolar disorder. And I don't have a lot of options where I can just say, okay, he hurt me. Um, you know, I'm just going to get over this. Like it doesn't work that way in my brain. Like something can just stay there and, and not go away. So, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there too. So what, what is it? I have, you know, I have to ask, and I hope this isn't too blunt. Like what, what is it like living with, uh, bipolar disorder because we did have a previous conversation and you know I kind of gave you my intake uh you know just me knowing just the basic information and uh stuff like that so just to to share with people and uh to just get a lot of um made up rumors out of the way what is it what is it like what is it really like I think the biggest common misconception with bipolar disorder is that people think that it's something you control, but it's not. It's just like having diabetes. There, You have to take medication to keep it in, in line and in check, or you will go crazy. You will have episodes because it's essentially like a neurological disease. You don't have a choice. But to get more in-depth with it, Let's take a little break first. <laughs> what do you think? Sure. Yeah, we could use a break. Uh, I have the perfect song that I can play for this break. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back, guys. Thank you. Hey. Back. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back to you, too. Yeah, I had an awesome break. I got to smoke a cigarette. Oh, gross! <laughs> yeah, the uh, the pleasures of being a smoker and addicted to nicotine. You know what? I'm writing a blog about that right now because I just quit smoking back in November, and it was a really, really tough process. So, when I'm finished I, with that, I'll have to email it to you. Absolutely, I would love to read that. I want to quit so bad, and it's going <laughs> to sound so cliche, but you know, I, I do want to quit for my son because I don't want, I don't want to be, you know. 50 or 60 and, and living with, you know, COPD and emphysema. I think that's the same thing, but, you know, living like that and having him see me go through that. And, and it does sound cliche, but isn't that no, it's not, not. I got to tell you, I'm 31 years old and I have chronic bronchitis because of smoking cigarettes. It is extremely scary. You do not want to keep doing it. Trust me on this one. <laughs> um, I- you know, I never tell somebody what to do ever, but when it comes to smoking, I do try to like advocate, you know, quitting and I've tried and, and failed quitting many times. So don't let yourself get frustrated when you first start the process of quitting, but we can get into that when I finish the blog and I will be happy to share it with you because it is, it's, it's been a really tough journey for me, but I found it to be um, enlightening to write it all down and say like, this is what I'm going through <laughs> and like, get it out there. So yeah, no, that's happy awesome. to share it with you. It was, it was yes. really enlightening and now i am actually like sick by cigarette smoke it's really like and and the thing is is my blog will also help you quit even if you're around people that actually smoke even if your wife smokes like my boyfriend smokes and i i just quit and i was an all or nothing smoker believe me i was the worst (laughs) that is awesome and 
<clears throat> I'm proud to say this. I am single. I do not have a wife. <laughs> no. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm not married. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> no, no worries. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Is quitting smoking as easy as trying to stop? <clears throat> Whoa, excuse me. Stop lying. Ooh, I don't know. I would say, well, because for me, like lying was different. Like when you experienced during your rant, when I, when I listened to your rant, which I really suggest that anybody who's listening to this podcast goes and listens to the rant, because I think that's like, if, if you're like not dealing with mental health disorder, like, like I am, then I guess lying is, it comes differently for you. Um, because I had bipolar disorder for me growing up, I kind of created my own little fantasy world and being honest with people was just not something that fit into the coping skills that I created to deal with pan- with panic disorder and bipolar disorder. So dealing like being like kind of being dishonest was like a almost like a acceptable rebellion, but it was also a coping skill. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it was a healthy one, but growing up, they actually therapists do actually say well, people with mental health disorders like mine and even people that don't have mental health disorders, like even even kids that have like oppositional defiance disorder, which isn't really a mental health disorder. It's just kind of like almost every kid in the world has that shit, to be honest with you. Um, every like if you have that, then you're going to kind of motivate yourself in a direction of having some kind of um, coping skill, whatever it might be. Some kids, especially teenagers, pick up cigarette smoking or lying. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice, guys. Um, We're both sick, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think lying works differently for different people. Like I think for you, it was, you know, you, you did something to kind of, um, you know, like, well, do you want to share your story first? Because yeah. we had talked about it, but I don't think we recorded it. No, no. So, you know, uh, just to get like right into the beginning of, of things, you know, I, I met I met this woman and... It was, it was, it was weird for me not to get like all personal. It was weird for me because I've looked at like other people and had previous girlfriends. Um, and you know, when I first met this woman, it, it's, I felt something that I've never felt in my life. So lying was, it, it made everything in my mind. It made it seem like, okay, like I have to lie because I can't lose this. I can't lose this. And, and if she knows who I really am, she can be like, what a fucking loser, and kick me to the curb. So I created a bunch of lies. Um, why I was, you know, why I moved to the state, why I, like, how I did this, and I did this in my life, and I'm going to do this. You know, I, I just, I lied, and I created this, this person that I wasn't. You know, I stopped becoming the person. I stopped becoming me. And believe it or not, I felt guilty throughout the whole process. All my lies lasted up to about a year before they finally were brought to the light. And trust me, every lie will come around and bite you in the ass. Like I've said in my, in my lying rant, you, you could last five fucking years with, with a lie, but guess what? It's going to come to light and you're going to fucking feel like an asshole uh, for lying about such a stupid thing. And the insane part is once all the lies came to light, the only thing she asked 
was, why can't you just be honest? She didn't even care that I, you know, of all the things I lied, she didn't care. She's like, I would have, I would have loved you for you. And it was so weird because I, I thought she wouldn't love me for the person that I was. And in all reality, all she wanted was to know that person. And, you know, she's older than me. Um, so it was instant. Like I need to impress, uh, you know, and it, it breaks my heart knowing that all she wanted was honesty. You know, I, I could have told her like, like I lied about some of the stupid shit, Nikki, like some of the, the most, I mean, ridiculous stuff. And like, for an example, one time I bought a PS4 and she, all she did was ask me. And, and I, I, I came up with this whole fucking how I got the PS4. And then when she saw the fucking receipt, she's like, why didn't you just tell me you bought a PS4? I would have been totally cool with that. <laughs> it was so stupid. I didn't have to lie about it, but I felt like I had to, I felt like I was, for some reason, I was so fucking ashamed. I, I, like I said, she's older. So I was so ashamed. She, oh, she could think I'm a fucking idiot playing video games. And I fucking played the thing for like a month and then ended up selling it. <coughs> that just added on to that. To be honest, like, that one lie, that was the last lie that made her, that, that broke everything. And that was after all the other lies came to light. Did you ever think that maybe, and, you know, I could be wrong here, but did you ever think that maybe, like, for you, it was like a superiority type thing? Like, you felt like she had superiority over you. And, like, almost like you were answering to a parent, in a sense. Like, I don't yeah. know what your relationship is like with your parents, but it seems like, and again, I'm not a therapist, but it just seems to me like common sense would dictate that there was like almost like a, like you felt like you were answering to her. So you got, like, you would get frazzled like you would with your own parents and just kind of say whatever came to mind just to not get bitched at. Maybe she wasn't even like that, but you weren't even giving her the opportunity because you were so worried about if you were going to get that kind of treatment because you're used to that kind of treatment in your life. So she was but I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I don't know what your treatment was like growing up, but I would assume that somebody somewhere in your life that was important to you must've done something pretty crippling to you to make you feel like anytime an authority figure, like any, anybody who's older than you is essentially an authority figure and you have to come up with a story just to not get bitched at. Grow, growing up, I grew up pretty good. Uh, it was when I hit around 12. And, and I, I, use, I, I don't use this as a crutch because it, it, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me to the point where, you know, I feel like, you know, it, it affected me. Uh, my mom left, you know, when I was 12. But, you know, we, we stayed in and out of contact. So I think that that's helped me a lot. But the, the crazy thing is you hit that right on the nail because she's the complete opposite. And there were, there were times because I knew I lied to her like in the beginning of the race relationship um, that I think you mentioned this in uh, your segment, she would go somewhere and I would be like, instantly I would be like, yeah, she's seeing somebody else. Yeah. And I felt like that a couple of times because I'm and like, so Oh, then you're also she... having trust issues too. I guess, yeah, I guess I, it, well, in a way it, I created those trust issues because I lied like so much that I thought she was lying to me. It was just, oh, it was, yeah. yeah, it's called mirroring. You were totally doing that. Yeah. <coughs> and the crazy That's thing not is, that, no, and, and, <clears throat> and looking at her today, 
like I, like I mentioned to you before, it just eats me alive. And she could be totally cool. She could joke with me. And I, she does. She jokes with me. She talks to me. We said, you know, funny videos. And, you know, when, when we, when we see each other, you know, when I pick up my son, everything, everything's fine. And she'll call me, text me, but there is, I just feel so fucking guilty. And I, everything that I say to her now, and I don't blame her at all. Everything that I say to her, even though I, I've stopped lying and everything that I've been saying to her is the truth. I, I created that, that in her mind that everything that I say is a complete lie. And yeah, and, think- and lying definitely destroys because even if some crazy, if God came down and said, Hey, God married me and her, she would still look at me the same mm-hmm. after those lies came out. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think that you built a trust issue between you and her, but I don't think that you created trust issues for her. I think it takes a significant event, more than one significant event sometimes, because for me, there was a multitude of events. It wasn't just the one event with TJ hanging himself. It caused me to become, you know, to have issues with trust. There was a lot of things. And I think even for me, sometimes um, some of my trust issues stemmed from the fact that I wasn't so honest. And then I would be like, oh, if I'm not honest, they're probably not being honest. And it does eat you up inside. And until you deal with those things, you know, you're not going to stop feeling that way and you're not going to stop doing those things. So you've dealt with your shit and now you're being honest with her. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's almost too late, but you never know. I mean, maybe over time you'll build up that trust again and things could change. They can, um, you know, like I, I just, I just know that, you know, lying isn't always so cut and dry. Like, I think a lot of people think, like, what the fuck? Why are you lying? Like, what is going on? Like, why don't you hear yourself? But in your head, you're just like, this is this is par for the cause. Like, I need to say this. I need to do this. Because if I don't do this, this person's not going to respect me. But really, the person already knows you're full of shit, number one. Number two, you don't even realize you're saying the things that you're saying because you're so consumed with I need to like this story in your head. Like I need to take care of myself right now. Like I need to protect me. And number three, you're also trying to deal with this, you know, whatever your issue is, it could be that you are lying. So you feel the need to lie because you want to make sure that, you know, you're getting whatever story out that you want to get out. Like you want to control it too much. You know, there's like 80,000 reasons. Like I, I think, one of the only reasons that is often overlooked is people that have mental health disorders because we create a fantasy world and in mental health hospitals, they'll say to you, what is your truth? It's really interesting. Like if I said to you, Ryan, like, what is your truth? Isn't that like a crazy question? That is, that is really insane. And it's also like really uh, mind opening to hear from from your perspective, you know, because like, like, like you didn't mention, there's, there's two different types of lying. And, uh, like, I think from what I was getting at was your lying was totally different than mine. Like you said, I, I guess what you use as situation, like, like a situation, right. But somebody with a mental, uh, disorder, they, I don't know, fill me in. Yeah. Fill me in on that. Like fill me on, on, on the difference of, of what I was talking about. What, what I've lied about to somebody with, to, to somebody who really can't help it. Well, <clears throat> I think like, because bipolar disorder um, is one of the illnesses 
that happens to cause, you know, kind of like a lying, like lying because you kind of live in a fantasy world. And then there's borderline personality disorder, which isn't much different. So they, they do the same thing, really. Panic disorder, because you live with paranoia. So you're constantly worried about the world around you. So there's a lot of different illnesses that <clears throat> cause that. Um, but I think for me, because I had, I had um, grown up with bipolar disorder, when I would get so paranoid about the world around me like I would because I would get these thoughts like and this was before medication before I really knew what was wrong with me but when you have um, bipolar disorder you have a heightened sex drive you are thinking these insane thoughts when somebody talks to you and you just don't like the way that they talk to you you snap there's no you don't get to think about it your brain just goes into that drive like you don't you don't think it just happens there's no like thought process. And so bipolar disorder is a really fucking bad thing to have because if you're not getting medicated, then your base, your, your brain is basically doing the work for you without you having any control over the subconscious part of your brain that says, Hey, this isn't a good idea. Like you shouldn't say this right now because this, this is going to create problems. Like it just, it doesn't work that way with the bipolar brain. And so when you're lying, you know, like for me, I never even noticed like how bad it was. So I would be in like a manic moment. And because sometimes I get psychomania, psychomanic. So I get like these crazy manic episodes that kind of come and go really quick. And um, which is also considered like borderline personality disorder is pretty much the same thing. We get these manic episodes that just come so quick. And they just, they last for a short period of time. So you'll say something in a manic episode and then the person will call you out on it when you're not manic anymore. You could be normal when that person calls you out because there are normal moments with bipolar disorder. At least in my case, there is. Um, But I'll be normal and my mom will call me out and be like, you were totally full of shit when you told me this. And I'm like, I said that? Like, what the fuck? Like, I I literally don't even know that I said it, but in the moment of saying it, it was my truth. That's why when you're in, you're dealing with like a mental health patient and you're in a mental health hospital, the doctor or the therapist will say to you in a group meeting, what is your truth? Because such an insane question, but it, but it really, it's, it's very helpful and it's very therapeutic because in this moment in time, my truth is X, Y, and Z. But if you ask me, you know, when I'm manic, my truth is going to be, yeah, I know the president of the United States of the world, you know, like United States of America, sorry, United States of the world. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. The United States of America, I know him. Like I totally know him. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, no, I never said that, bro. <laughs> it's not the same kind of lying. It's kind of like, showboating almost yeah that's <clears throat> it's really like informational because mm-hmm. well again we we were talking about uh we we didn't record but we were talking about my interaction i guess you could say my first interaction with <laughs> with uh bipolar disorder i had no idea i thought he was just drunk and angry and when he mentioned uh aaron's coming out you know i thought he was semi-joking with me calling his anger aaron and you asked me what my first reaction was. My first reaction was anger to, to stop him. And 
it was yeah it's really eye-opening to to hear and and to actually get an insight on what bipolar disorder is because again the basic knowledge people and, and it doesn't matter who you ask ask anybody who who's who doesn't suffer from it it's oh yeah their mood changes they're happy then they're sad then they're angry oh he's so bipolar he's so bipolar how how often does that word get thrown around oh he's bipolar because he's happy and mad maybe maybe he was fucking happy and something bad happened to him so he's pissed you know that, that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean like he, you know he's bipolar and yeah it's it's such a word that gets thrown around and i'm sure that upsets you and and upsets you know somebody who who really does suffer from it and has to live with it every day and is uh, just probably feels so lost and misunderstood and again i guess on on my behalf because i i have done that in the past you know, i i i do apologize for misusing that word because i had mis misused that word you know plenty of times and i think it's awesome that you're trying to to raise awareness for this i, I really do i don't think I appreciate that a lot. I don't, but I don't think that um, for me, it doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want <clears throat> about bipolar disorder. You can, you can say, Oh, the weather's so bipolar. It doesn't bother me because once you get on the right medication and your, your cycle is normal and you're not ha like you're more normal than you are manic or depressed because there are times when I was depressed where I could just sleep for 20 hours straight. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, but now it's like, you know, I'm normal. Like I can go to work and hold a job down and I can go to football practice with my son and coach football and I'm losing weight again because I feel like myself again. Like I can go out and do my thing. And um, so I think for me, like I think a lot of people that do get offended by that, like people using the bipolar word as like an adjective, I guess. Or, yeah, would that be the right word? Yeah. So if they're using it as an adjective to describe, you know, something like the weather or whatever the case might be, it might be offensive to somebody else. But to me, it's just kind of like, whatever. Like, I mean, when I'm not on medications, I'm fucking crazy. And I've seen some bipolar weather myself. So it doesn't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't affect me as much and I don't take it to heart I just think that people need to understand that bipolar is like essentially it's like having I, I don't want to say diet like I don't want to say like oh it's like having diabetes but it really kind of is the same thing as having an illness like diabetes it's not diabetes obviously Yeah, it's, well, it's, you're not going to have to take insulin shots to deal with bipolar <laughs> disorder but you do have to take medication like it is a chemical imbalance in your brain. That is exactly what bipolar is. There is a chemical imbalance. Your brain is not working right. You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and live a normal life today because five minutes later, your brain might say, guess what, bitch? We're going down the roller coaster right now. We're going on a 90 degree turn straight down. You better get ready. Buckle up. And that's what's going to happen. And there ain't a fucking thing you can do about it. You're not going to be able to stop it. There's no subconscious thinking. You're just, you're going to hit that ride. You better get on it. Buckle and you can't up. control that. No. No, I wish you could. Half the time, you don't even know what the fuck you're doing until you wake up from a manic episode and you're like, holy shit, I had sex with that guy? You know, like, you don't even know what's going on. Wow. And I'm, I shit you not. Like, that's literally what happens, Ryan. Like, there is no, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I think it's chilled out more as I've gotten older because, you know, when you're younger – your hormones are a lot stronger. Like you feel more like erotic, I guess, and crazy. 
and you kind of just go with the flow, whatever your brain tells you to do, you just go with it. Whereas like for me as an adult now, it's totally different. Like my hormones have calmed down a lot. Like I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties now. It's a little, it's a whole different world now. Like I'm not, that's not how my brain thinks anymore. Like I, I'm able to chill it out now because I'm not, I don't have the element of bipolar and the element of, um, you know, hormonal teenager or 20 year old. Anymore. Yeah. So thank God for that. But I will tell you that like bipolar disorder is no joke. The hardest thing I've ever faced in my life. And most bipolar people don't even want to be medicated. They just, they're like, nope, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. Is it, like, is it more denial? Like the example I use as, as, you know, my friend, my, my old friend, I mean, it was, it was more, I guess, either denial or they just thought in that moment uh, that they were just that pissed off or, or that specific. They were feeling that, that emotion just for a brief second. It doesn't last for a brief second with bipolar. There are times where you get angry and it can last for hours until you blow a full-blown gasket. And then once the gasket's blown, you get over it quickly and everybody else around you is still trying to figure out how to pull the pieces back. Because you just lost your shit. And when a bipolar person loses their shit, it is extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous for everybody around them because they, they can become extremely unstable. You don't know what they're going to do. There's been times, and I'm saying this was in my youth, and I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to be very honest with you because I want to give you the full picture of what it's like to be bipolar. But there were times in my youth like, I remember this one specific night. This is a really good example. There was a guy um, out with us. We were all drinking. And again, bipolar people and drugs and alcohol, psh, no, not a good, not a good bang. Yeah, I, this could, guy, I could see that. You know, was, oh, yeah, it was yeah. bad. Um, but this guy kept saying to me, you need to shut up and sit down. Because there was a lot of cops in the parking lot. I was probably like 18 or 19 years old. And I was like really, really drunk. Um, and I also mixed it with, um, with some Xanax. Okay. Which I didn't normally do, but I was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Cause I was having panic attacks. And that's the other thing that happens when bipolar disorder is sometimes when you do use something like drugs or alcohol, you will get panic attacks. So I had a panic attack. I took a Xanax, bad combination, mixing Xanax and alcohol, really, really stupid, stupid idea. So the guy kept coming at me and saying, you need to sit down on the curb because I was getting so wild that they thought the police were going to come over and cause us trouble. So he's like, you need to sit the fuck down. Like, you need to shut the fuck up. And this is the kind of stuff he's saying to me. He's like, you need to shut the fuck up and you need to sit the fuck wow. down. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm 18 years old. This guy is bigger than me. And I was like, fuck this guy. And I used to walk around, like, I used to carry around a knife because my, my mom and dad had said to me, like, make sure you have protection and... I think they were more talking about condoms, but I was thinking I need to have a knife. I, yeah. So that's kind of the paranoid brain, that, you know? So I, I had a knife on me and I pulled it out and, you know, the guy continued to yell at me. So finally I just, I waited till he got in the car again, pulled in the knife, walked up and put it up to his throat. This is the kind of stuff that people with bipolar disorder do when they're not medicated. Wow especially when they're using drugs and alcohol and dealing with all the hormones of being a teenager. It's not stable. You don't want to mess with somebody who has bipolar disorder because it's not safe. 
It's definitely not safe. And if you know somebody who's dealing with this condition, the first thing you need to do is recommend when they are acting normal that they get some assistance. So let me ask you a question. I guess we could use okay. this as our closing remarks. So for somebody like me, um, give me some examples on if I do come across somebody with bipolar disorder, um, help me out to try to understand them. Okay, well, I think the biggest thing is do not poke the, the I guess you can call him the lion. Don't poke the lion. Don't piss off the lion. Don't don't walk up and 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 taunt the lion. Like the bipolar people, you might think to yourself like, "Oh, you know, I'm tough and I'm this and I'm that and whatever." Bipolar people do not care if they live or die. They are the most likely to kill themselves. They are also the most likely to commit a homicide. And I'm not saying that to scare people, but it is the truth. They are the most likely to go completely insane and to um, do things that you would never think a normal human being would do because they're living with a chemical imbalance in their brain, meaning that their brain is not pumping the right amount of chemicals to certain parts of the brain. So therefore, there is no reaction between the two different parts of the brain, like or not even the two different parts, but the million parts of the brain. So this brain is basically kind of controlling itself. There's nobody... You know, there's nobody actually driving this car. You understand uh, no, what I'm do, saying? If they're not on medication, there's nobody driving that car. So you're essentially putting yourself in a dangerous situation if you try to confront them in an ugly way. So when it comes to somebody with bipolar disorder, be gentle, be understanding, be kind, do not be condescending. Do not, they can. Believe me, we can pick out bullshit from 20,000 miles away. And if we are not comfortable with you, we will shut down. We will. It's just a fact. And it doesn't matter if we're medicated or not. If we're not comfortable, we will shut down. And it's just the way we are. It's not intended to be mean towards you. It's just that we have a, a built-in self-help mechanism that basically protects us from people that are going to hurt us. It's just the way we think. It's paranoia, really. The thing is approaching... Is with with not caution but approaching them like a human being i mean let me ask you a yes. question you mentioned uh people with bipolar disorder are more likely to kill themselves or commit homicides homicides now do you think raising awareness on how to approach somebody who suffers from bipolar disorder do you think the approach of other people not suffering like okay so somebody like me who doesn't suffer from bipolar um approaching somebody who does uh, suffer from bipolar disorder. Do you think me approaching them, like you just said, will, will make them feel uh, accepted and, and prevent them from either taking their own lives or homicide? I know that's such a, that's such a uh, generalized question because it's really hard to tell what's going on in someone's mind. But do you think raising awareness could possibly prevent that? I don't think that there is any way to prevent homicide or, um, or I'm sorry, not homicide, to prevent suicide in a person who has bipolar disorder. And I know that that sounds really, really, really negative, but I, living with bipolar disorder, I can honestly tell you that like, not even a couple of weeks ago, back in December on the, I want to say it was the 12th of December, I took a entire handful of Klonopin. Wow. And I was not thinking straight. I was not myself. Again, you have to remember 
there is nobody driving this vehicle. Okay, I there's I'm like basically I'm free riding in the back of a crazy Ferrari and there is not a single person driving this car, it's just driving itself. And I'm just a passenger. That's really what bipolar disorder is. So that I, it's really like when I hear doctors and nurses and stuff like that say, oh, it's 100% preventable. We can, you know, we can help people who are attempting to commit suicide. You're going to help the people who have major depressive disorder. You're going to help the people who have, you know, depression, who feel like there's no way out. You're going to help the people who are dealing with, um, you know, situational depression even, but you're not going to help the people who have bipolar disorder because there is nobody driving our car. There's nobody to reason with. There's nobody to, you know what I mean? If you're dealing with a, a machine because essentially that's what happens to our brains until we are on medication. There's nobody driving this fucking car. Wow. That is. Yeah. I'm speechless because this, it's the first time in my life where I'm getting a complete insight on somebody who suffers from, from bipolar disorder. And that is just a lot of information yeah. to retain. And, uh, it's crazy crazy, but it's you know it it does make you think it does make you think that that people go through this and we're just so blind to it that makes sense at least my perspective you know that that's something i don't think about you know i don't think about somebody going through you know uh, a disorder you know because i i've you know occasionally you know like like we talked about you know uh situational depression or maybe some nervousness and you know stuff like that so it's really really mind-opening and i'm sure whoever's listening who who doesn't suffer from a disorder it's it's just as informational to them as it is to me and yeah nikki i just i I really want to thank you for having this conversation with me because believe it or not yeah really opened my eyes and i'm looking forward to having more uh, of these conversations um guys we're gonna go ahead and plan our next uh episode but thank you guys for joining in and nikki it has been such a pleasure and i mean that i'm not just saying that because we're recording and i want people to like oh you know ryan's a sweet guy no i mean that from like from my heart i do no, I can tell. I, you're a genuine person. I can tell that. And I, I actually think this is going to be really helpful for people to see it from both sides of the coin. Like I have one of the worst mental health conditions you can have. You know, schizophrenia is definitely up there too. I've, I've never experienced that. I'd love to hear from somebody who has. And But, you know, having the two different perspectives, like somebody who has one of the worst mental health disorders and somebody who is thankfully not dealing with mental health disorder at all. I mean, that, that you know... That's a great thing, Ryan. You're very, very blessed for that. Even if you have situational depression, um, you know, here and there for issues in your life, just hold on to that one little thing that you have that you don't have a everyday illness that you have to face every day. But I just want, this is the last thing I want to say. If you're out there and you're living with a mental health disorder, you are a hundred percent not alone. And you are welcome to follow me on the panic spot on Instagram, on Twitter. I have um, Facebook. I am here on Anchor. I am here for you. So the panic spot at gmail.com is my email address. I get tons of emails from people who are dealing with mental health disorders. You are not alone. And the other thing is there are people out there like Ryan who actually do care about us who 
who suffer with these conditions, do not hesitate to talk to somebody, anybody, if you ever feel the need to hurt somebody else or to hurt yourself. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And another thing too, is you mentioned that, you know, I'm so blessed and I never looked at it that way until you just said that this very moment, because, and again, most people in my shoes don't look at it that way. They, they, we, we don't think of that about that at all, Nikki, to be honest with you. And, and I, I, I'm not speaking for everybody who, who doesn't suffer from a mental health disorder, but at least my, yeah, my point of view, I never looked at it. I never looked at it. I am, you know, I'm blessed that I, I, I don't have to suffer, but I'm also blessed um, that I actually give a shit. Yes, you are. But one more thing, Ryan, you're also, now that you know what the other side is dealing with, you can go ahead and spread awareness to other people that it's safe for them to be who they you are. Bet your ass. And that's, that's a, that's a blessing. That is a blessing. And honestly, if I was not suffering with mental illness, I probably wouldn't even care to hear about it or know about it. And that's really sad to say, but it's true. No, it is. Yeah. You don't want to think about that stuff. I completely understand when somebody says, well, I don't want to think about that stuff because it's not something that I have to deal with in my life. I completely, man, don't listen. I would totally be the same way. I get it. I mean, just take that five seconds. I mean, it doesn't take more than five seconds to just say to somebody, I get it, or I'm here for you, oh. or, you know, I got you, or give somebody a hug, like a tight hug, especially people who are having panic attacks or anxiety. A tight hug with pressure is the best medicine for that. I'm so here. it's better than pills. It's better than everything. That. Blew so, my mind. Yeah, you you were like, yeah, you're just yeah. It's because everything you're saying is so true. And it wasn't until recently, until I went through my situational depression, it wasn't until then where uh, even before I started Anchor, uh, I would make Facebook posts on on just be yourself. Whether you're whether you do, uh, I didn't say it specifically. You know, whether you're gay or you suffer from depression or suffer from mental health disorder, I meant it in general. And I would post things like that and, you know, just be happy who are you, you know, who you are. If you like comic books, be happy with that. If you like fucking ice skating, you know, like, you get what I mean? Like, and it wasn't until recently where I, I really not, I really wanted to raise awareness because going through that depression, I didn't think I was going to make it out of that. So I don't want to take it. For, I don't want to take my life for granted anymore because I, I feel like I've never been more alive than, uh, than I have been recently. And like I said, it sounds so cliche and, but I, no, it doesn't at all. It's, child, it's inspiring. Yeah, I think having a child ha has completely changed me because it made me appreciate life seeing, just seeing him. And I don't know what, why, why it makes me think about those things, but just seeing him, you know, I, I just, I just, I want, I want, I think I want the world to be good for him, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. Every parent wants that. I don't think that anybody on this earth can honestly say that they don't want their kids to have the best experience and the most safe, you know, lifestyle that they can have. So please, it's okay. And when it comes to situational depression, it's not any different than the depression that the rest of us are facing every day. You still know what it feels like now to have suffered depression. Even though you don't have to live with it every day, you have a deeper appreciation for it because you did fall into it. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, you, 
it may not be something that you have to wait for her to come back or whatever, but something happened to you. It was traumatic and it, it made you experience something that you've never experienced before. And it was extremely traumatic for you to experience these feelings. So I don't want to minimize that you had this situational depression because you did. And it's always going to be a part of who you are. Absolutely. And it also gives you a deeper appreciation for people like me. That's absolutely like there's no other way to explain it because I think if I didn't go through that, I probably wouldn't be talking to you now, if that makes sense. You know, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to, you know, again, like I, I would never be so open. I'm going to use my, my lying rant. And I don't know if you've heard my, you know, my motivational rant. Like I would never just come out and say those things, even though I, I've always been such a good person. I just, I, I wouldn't take the time to try to reach out to somebody. And, right. and now that I've experienced that, you know, you hear a lot of music artists say like, oh, my song just changes, you know, helps one life. You know, if I could just help one person, whether they do or do not suffer from a mental health disorder, if I could just help one person, I think, uh, I think that, that gives me, that gives me some, some peace. And I also want my son to, to hear all this when he gets older and to see, you know, if I start now, I'm going to raise him like this. And I'm not doing it, you know, just because of that. But, you know, I, I think everything was put into place in my situation because I, I feel like now that I'm raising him, I could, I could raise him to be aware of that, that stuff. And, you know, who knows? He, he, could, be, he could be a spokesperson on top of the world and he could change the world. Your, your son your son could be on top of it. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, a lot, a lot of kids, I feel like, I guess it's like a mix, you know, a lot, a lot of kids, you know, their parents don't, don't, not that you, you teach them about it. I mean, it's important to teach, but a lot of parents, I feel like they don't think about the long run. Like my son or my child, my son or daughter are, they, they're going to model after me. So am I just going to go to work every day, drop them off at school, make them lunch, and, you know, that's it and play with them a couple times, you know, and let, let them, you know, do whatever, or, or am I going to be an actual example for them? Yeah, I could see that. I think, um, I think all in all, if we just take the time to understand and appreciate what other people are going through in life, cause you may not have figured out your place in this world yet. Like I always used to think to myself, okay, we have the, um, the high powered white men, as they call it, that group. We have the women who are trying to set up their own rights. You know, we have the black people that are doing their Black Lives Matter. We have the gay people trying to establish their community. And there's this whole mental health community that really hasn't had the opportunity to voice themselves yet. And that's what I'm trying to open up. And I think everybody kind of has their own community that they want a voice about like they, but you don't have to understand other people. Like I don't have to understand what it means to be gay a hundred percent to respect that. That's who you are. Exactly. And I, you know, it's about time that they have a voice. Exactly. The mental health uh, disorder community. And I think we are headed in the right direction to raise raise awareness for it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I really, that's going to be a big priority for me. And I'd really like to do more of these with you, Ryan. I really do think, um, you know, our, our ability to kind of bounce off of one another, it really would be very helpful for my community. So if you're ever interested in helping to raise awareness for the mental health community, especially having that other side um, of the 
coin, you know, being, I guess, hypothetically normal, because that's what the mental health community calls it. Somebody who doesn't have mental health disorders is normal, whether you're white, Chinese, we don't care. You're normal if you don't have a mental health disorder. And that, I mean, I know it's like so stereotypical, but that's the way we look at it. No, you just like they're straight and there's gay that there there's you know there's also um like we have situational depression you could also have you could also be bi not bipolar but just bisexual so you know what i mean so there's all these different like elements and um but i just i like that you have a little bit of experience with depression and i like that you also have um you know the the empathy for people like me so sorry guys i lit up a cigarette i needed a smoke that was uh that, yeah that was a very it was a heavy conversation <laughs> i i hope a lot of people gain from from this conversation and the people that i hope at least that um i hope that listen to it are people that don't um really understand it and i know a couple people that don't which i'm going to send this over and I, f- I feel like it's going to change their thought process. And actually, I mean, like, like I said, it's about time that the community has a voice. It really is because everybody else has had a say and everybody is now understanding about everything else. But I, I, I don't see, I don't see the media playing anything on uh, mental health like at all. I mean, I, I'm sure they do, but you know, not enough for somebody like me to, to get attracted to, not attracted, but you know, to, to pay attention to. It's just not as popular as having like, you know, a skinny, petite, good looking person playing a character in a show. Um, that versus somebody who's dealing with severe bipolar disorder and instability. There's too much instability. So it's hard to show what we're dealing with and what we're facing. Now, like I said, if you're medicated, you're good. Like I am, I'm good. But if you're not medicated, you know, you're, you're not healthy and you're not safe right now and you need to get safe. You need to get yourself checked into a hospital and and you need to take it seriously. That will help you. Uh, You know, a lot of people feel seeking help is either the cowardly thing to do or the unsafe thing to do. But, from your experience, Nikki, like t- you, you tell me, was, was that something that you regret or is that something that you appreciate? No, I, I hated every minute of being in a hospitalization program. Um, I've gone into two, three, four hospitals this year and it's been really tough. It's really tough. The thing is though, is that when you're normal, everybody in your life is like, Oh, she's fine now. Everything's good. But the people who are around you the most that are closest to you, like your um, significant other, your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, they're the ones that are like, oh, hell no, you might be normal right now, but I know what's coming. And they're not going to live up. They're not going to let up on that. So don't, don't be mistaken. Don't be fooled by normalcy. You know, you might be normal right at this moment, but I guarantee you that shit ain't going to last. But how? If you have true bipolar disorder, it will not last. You will self-sabotage. You will destroy your life again. And you will have to rebuild again when you get back to normal again. You will go through manic. 
you will go through depressed. You will try to hurt yourself or you will try to hurt somebody else or you will become extremely aggressive or extremely nasty with everybody in your life. You're not doing anybody any favors and you're not helping yourself. So seeking help is, is the, is the best, best option. Yes. And if you know somebody who's suffering, you have to stay on them in a nice way. Absolutely. Do not be like, I promise you that if you try to be controlling to a bipolar person, you will lose them faster than you can count to fuck. I'm not kidding. They will disappear. Bipolar people do not take well to being told what to do. They don't like it. This has to be their decision. And you can, you can I'm being be, completely real with you there. <laughs> support is, is, is what I'm getting from is support is the number one thing to, to do and be compassionate. Be empathize. Yes. Be compassionate and empathize, but not to the point where it's detrimental to your own safety. If the person is refusing to get help and you continuously come around them and they continuously hurt you and cause you physical stress and emotional stress, then you probably shouldn't be around them anymore until they get themselves help. Don't write them off, though. Be understanding that once they do get medicated and they are normal regularly, they're going to be like, what did I do? They're not going to really understand what they've done. Some of us remember, and most of us don't. I don't. If I have a manic episode, I don't really know what I'm saying or doing. I might remember that I said or did something along those lines, but chances are I'm not going to remember what the fuck I did. So if you hold it against me, I'm not going to have any way of bringing you back to reality with me because I'm going to lie to you in a manic episode. I'm going to tell you everything you want to hear, and I'm going to make everything sound so great and wonderful. But that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It just means in that moment... I'm hyper energetic. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking all the best things in the world right now. My brain is an hundred percent euphoric area. Like I, there is no other feeling. I can't feel depressed in that moment. I can't feel pain in that moment. I can't feel sadness or regret. All I can feel in that moment is absolute euphoria. I'm happy. Everything's going to work out. I'm going to come up with a plan and I'm just going to go ahead and make that plan come to life in my head. And then I'm going to tell you that it already happened. You're just going to have to deal with that. Wow. And it is. Yeah. Tough. So anyways, wow. I'm really glad that we got the chance to do this, Ryan. And I know there's a lot more to be said and a lot more that I can share with you about bipolar disorder and even panic disorder, which I haven't even gotten into really. And that's kind of the main focus for me because that's the part that's actually ruining my life but um, hey hey guess what we yeah have, it's been 49 minutes i think we said a lot <laughs> guess what <laughs> we have until the end of our time on this earth to discuss that so there will be more said and there will be more discussions like this um so we, we're definitely going to to put put something together um like as far as like a channel wise, you get what I mean? So thanks for tuning in guys. And me and Nikki will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Gotcha, Nikki. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.